Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. A telemarketer called a home and a little boy's whispered voice answered, Hello. The telemarketer said, Little boy, is your mother at home? He said, Yes. May I speak with her? No. Well, why can't I speak with her? She's busy. Is your father at home? Yes. Can I speak with him? No. Well, why not? Because he's busy. Well, little boy, are there any other adults there in your home that I can speak to? He said, there are adults everywhere. There's an ambulance here, a fire truck, and the police department. And the telemarketer said, oh my goodness, what are they doing? He said, looking for me. (laughs) We like stories where lost people and things get found. Of course we do. In today's passage, Jesus notices that some of the people in the room are edging out other people. They are scribes and Pharisees, and Jesus has chosen to eat with sinners. And he's given them fodder for communication. They are going to bicker and bite and nip at him behind his back. They like places of honor. But Jesus says, don't seek the seats of honor. But stay in the humble places and the host of the house may come and ask you to come up to the front and host table and ask some who are seated there to get up and go to the back. Can you imagine a greater humiliation? Jesus tells these parables. As he's telling them, I think we're making a mistake if we do not take it personally. He's telling us. He says, if there's a crowd of people gathered around you who think they're important, beware. They won't get my teaching. They won't understand what I'm saying because they're so puffed up, they think they already have the answers they need and they've stopped listening. They no longer pay attention. I do believe that describes this day. It was clear to them that the host in Jesus' parable was a reference to God. What was not so clear to them was, who are the people who are to be given over to the places of honor? Well, 
probably the Hebrew people, uh, the people chosen of God. And because they now seek the places of honor, but they don't think about it, they just assume this is what they've earned, this is who they are, this is what they're due. Jesus says they forfeited everything. Aren't we glad that Jesus called out uppity people? I am. I'm so glad that Jesus did not allow their puffed up status to stand unchallenged. Jesus offers a life reordering promise. He says we don't always get what we want. But if you keep your eyes on me, I promise you, you will get all you need. Sounds like a Rolling Stones song. Would you like me to sing a little? No, you wouldn't. In Jesus' day and in our day, people turned away from God that is not something we can feign. Uh, we turn away from God and then we turn back to God. But what happens next? We turn away again, don't we? And thus the need to continually pay attention, to acknowledge our state, to turn it over to God for transformation. Just like in the parable, too often we excuse our behavior because we are busy paying attention to people we've deemed as having behavior worse than ours. Hmm. How shocking it was for the hearer 2,000 years ago. Not so shocking today. We've read this passage before many times. It doesn't shock us anymore. We no longer are paying close attention. But how shocking 2,000 years ago when those who were seated in the places of honor were being told, you should sit in the back. Can you imagine? God will move others to those seats of honor. Notice who Jesus says is being invited to come up to the host table. He says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then you will all be blessed when you invite those who have a lesser position in life to join you in life. It does bless them, but Jesus is saying it blesses you as well. You will all be blessed. That doesn't fit well into our Americanized Christianity in which we believe the only way to get to the top is to climb up on top of others and push them down. Jesus says that because we get so caught up in the demands of our world, we risk our relationship with God. Now think about that a moment. Let that sink in, risking our relationship with God. But don't confuse that with losing your salvation. I believe the scripture has spoken clearly, at least to me, that if we are ever truly given over to God through Christ Jesus our Lord in salvation, we will not lose our salvation. I believe that. 
I believe eternal life begins the moment we turn our lives over to God. Well, if it can later be taken away from you, then it was never eternal life in the first place, right? So, no, you don't risk losing your salvation. You risk losing your relationship with God. And for many of us, that doesn't sound like a great threat. We say, well, I've never had much of a relationship with God. I wanted him to save me, he saved me, and now I'm just kind of living my life. And the idea of not having that relationship you could have is not a threat. But if you have ever bathed in the waters that belong to those who relate to God, it would be a great terror and threat to lose that relationship. We learned some things in the pandemic. Most of the lessons were hard lessons, not learned easily. I don't know how many thousands of lessons there must have been, but I think one of the greatest lessons that most of us were given the opportunity to learn is that many of us were given the gift of time to rethink some things. Every Sunday morning, uh, you're in church. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. But during that pandemic, especially at first, that didn't happen. We couldn't go downtown and get a cup of coffee with people and share a sandwich. We, we couldn't do all of the things that we've always done. And we were suddenly slapped with the reality that we have time. And I hope you spent some of that thinking through what it is to draw nearer to your God. The parable of the lost sheep is so essential, but it's understood only by those who know what it is to be lost. The owner of the flock of 100 loses the one Jesus says in the parable, and I presume since I don't know shepherding, I presume that what happened is Jesus spoke of the tradition of their time. If a sheep is lost, you leave them behind in a safe pasture and you go looking for the one. And then you rejoice when the one is found. I hope you understand that that lost sheep is you. It's me. The lost sheep, the one that got away, the one that got distracted and wandered off, the one that thought it would go play in the area of life it was told not to play in and it went anyway and it got caught up in the briars. Well, that's our story. At least it's mine. If we fail to respond to God and to follow God, we're going to make ourselves have miserable moments. Jesus says that those people who ended up in the brambles, but not by any cause of their own, they were born into their state. They were poor, crippled, lame, beggars. Jesus says that in his kingdom, they are the ones who get to go first. When I was in elementary school, I was okay in a couple of sports, and I was not at all okay in about the other 
10 or 15. And I can remember at recess. You remember recess? I remember at recess picking sides. And you always wanted to be the first or at least the second to be picked. Remember? I never knew that experience very much. But I would be an adult looking back at that time before I realized the reason I so wanted to be picked first or second had nothing to do with what I had to offer the team. It had to do with my desire to avoid humiliation. Please don't let me be last. Jesus says the last will become first. That woman who swept the floor looking for her coin, I can see her face when she finds it, can't you? Because you've had moments just like that. Oh, probably six months ago, I was looking for a document that I knew I had put in my small safe, and I do mean a small safe. I went there and I looked, it wasn't there. I then go to my desk where I write checks and so forth, and it wasn't there. I, uh, I, I looked all over the place. I went back to my safe, and I looked again. And I needed this document. And though there was no sensible reason to do it, a third time I went back to that safe. And guess what? That's the way God pursues us. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say, well, I've already tried and it didn't work out. No, God keeps coming for you. God keeps looking for you, reaching out to you, hoping that you will not only allow him to save your soul, but to give you life full of meaning, life abundant, life that is worthwhile. It's a terrible thing to be lost. It's a terrible thing to be lost. My mother endured a horrible 11 years at the close of her life due to Alzheimer's. Here is this woman who was an editor at the Asheville Citizen Times. You remember when the Asheville Citizen Times used to be a pretty good newspaper. She was an editor there and, and she was brilliant. She was... Uh, president of the North Carolina Press Women twice. I, I'm bragging on my mom. She left us in 97, as did my dad. What an extraordinary woman. But about six, seven years before she died, she could no longer tell you her name. She couldn't write a word, much less a sentence. Her life was just spent being led by others where they wanted her to be. My family and I built a log house on top of the mountain in Cullowee. It overlooked the Tuckasegee River. The road stopped there. Some of you have been there. And um, I'm so glad you share that memory with me. It's our cosmic home. We just are grateful for it. 
my brother Dave drove up from the beach where he lives, uh, and he and Dad and Mom came to visit us, and we were going to share a meal together that night. So the house was full of people, and it was so wonderful and so fun. But suddenly, somebody, and I believe it was my son Jacob, who, deserved, who observed, where's Grandma? I thought she was in the den with others. They thought she was in the kitchen. My children thought maybe she had gone upstairs with some of her grandchildren. She was not in the house. Panic set in with every one of us. You see, it was a late October night, and it was going to be particularly bitterly cold that night, and the sun had already begun its significant descent. We ran out and began screaming at the top of our lungs for mom. No response from anywhere. I walked down the road about 150 yards and couldn't see her anywhere, so I come back up. Here comes my dad and my brother in the car, and they're just going down, hoping to catch up with her if she's heading toward that river. Couldn't find her. About 25 minutes went by. I was deep in the woods with my daughter Rosemary's son Jacob, and we were all calling out, Mama, Grandma. We turned to go back up to the house because we are deep in the woods. Deep. And as we turned to go up, Rosemary says, Dad, I think I heard something. And we stopped. And we listened carefully, and I thought I could hear something, but I wasn't sure what. And I called her by her name, Rose. And I heard this familiar, meek little voice respond, yes? And 75 yards deeper in the woods, I could make out the likeness of my mama. And we went down and got her and walked her up. And that night we feasted. We did. We rejoiced. For that which was lost was now found. It was later, but that same night that I was sitting there exhausted. You know how that kind of moment wears the soul thin. I was by myself and I was thinking, and it occurred to me suddenly, we did find my mama. But she didn't know she needed to be found because she didn't understand that she was lost. 
I think that typifies where many of us in the church today are. We've stopped paying attention and we've wandered off and we don't even know we are lost. I still relish in the memory of that feast after finding mom. But I'm also grateful for the lesson. Yeah, that big lesson that mom didn't know she needed to be found. And many of us, perhaps we don't either. I close with this. A little boy who was a little different was not usually invited to his class birthday parties and gatherings. But an observant mother, one who paid attention, she made sure that when it was her son's birthday party, that that child was invited. And he came. And though he was not readily accepted by the other children there, he was still there. Like those people in the back of the room that Jesus invited to come up to the host table. He was there. Playing the games that John's mother arranged for the children, they all seemed to be having a pretty good time. But then she said, now it's time to play hide and seek. Instantly, he hung his head. And so she was trying to, turn, to determine who would be the ones to hide and who would be the ones to go find. And she looked down at him and she said, don't you want to play? He said, I really don't. She said, well, why not? This could be fun. He said, because I've played hide and seek before and nobody ever comes looking for me. There are people near us right now who feel like that little boy. They are wandering. They are lost. And they're pretty sure if anybody ever was looking for them, they aren't anymore. Beautiful friends. Not only do we need to choose to live our lives among the outcasts of life, we need to be open to the very possibilities that the most basic lessons of faith 
probably are taught by them. And we need to go looking for those who are forgotten. They're not lost and by themselves, by choice. But what's powerful is for many of them, maybe for most of them, all that will be required to get them home so that the feast can begin is for us to go searching for them. For you to do what you usually don't. To seek the lost and guide them home. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, May it be said of us that we tried. May it be said of us that we, uh, we were dead serious about remembering those who often are forgotten, loving those who haven't felt love in a long time, and finding those who are lost. We want our church to grow. We want our church to be something we presently, oh God, desire but are not. It can't happen. It will never happen until it first happens within us. May it be so. Through Christ we pray. Amen.